0: Hey friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It's Meg here as always, and today I am joined by another Megan. (laughs) So our guest today is Megan from Body Talk Basics, and I am so excited to have her on the show. Her and I talk all about how moms... Can support their daughters in a really beautiful way through puberty. And I absolutely love this topic and Megan actually has an entire course all about how moms can support their daughters through puberty. It's an interactive course that moms actually do alongside their daughters so they like do it together this course it's absolutely incredible and truthfully something I wish I would have thought of myself but I love that Megan did it and honestly it's such an incredible course so in today's episode we talk all about how moms can support their daughters through puberty We also get into a really great discussion about um, body hair and like the whole concept of shaving versus not shaving your body hair and we spend a great deal of time on this topic and it really fired me up but I just wanted to throw that out there because if you saw the title to this podcast episode and you're like uh I'm not a mom I probably don't need to listen to this episode honestly I really don't want you to miss this episode because this is not just a podcast episode for only moms. I think everyone can really benefit from this episode and fun fact too is that both Megan and I don't have children of our own so please don't feel like you need to be a mom to be listening to this podcast episode and get you know information from this episode but something else that I just wanted to address before diving into the conversation with Megan is I do want to acknowledge that today is the first Wednesday of the month which usually means that I go solo style on the podcast. Usually every single first Wednesday of the month I set aside and promise you a solo podcast episode. However, I will let you know and I've you know, I've mentioned this in previous episodes too that come the new year, you can look forward to this podcast moving from Primarily guest episodes with like one solo podcast episode from me a month to majority solo podcast episodes. So, and also the last two episodes as well have been solo podcast style. So, I feel good about releasing today's guest episode, even though a lot of you were probably expecting a solo episode, but it's all good because. This episode with Megan is gold and I love her so much. I make that so clear in this podcast episode. It's not just because she has the same name as me, but she's honestly doing incredible work in this world. And I want you to go check her out on Instagram and I have all of her links linked up in the show notes if you want to go check out her website and grab her course for you and your daughter to do together over the Christmas season. Hi Megan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on again. So <laughs> our listeners Maybe haven't met you yet because you haven't actually been on the show before, but (laughs) you and I have sat down to record an episode together. And then I had that little blip where, you know, all of us have times where we just have like those technology issues. And anyways, it was totally my fault. Um, I was fiddling around on my computer one day and deleted a bunch of files that I didn't think I needed anymore. And our episode was included. And it was so good. But I can't thank you enough for sitting down with me again today.
1: Of course. We just needed more time together. We did. We did. I mean...
0: I enjoy our time together so much, and I feel like the first time we recorded, I was just major fangirling over you, like, (laughs) which I still, like, we need to do in this episode because that is how I feel about you, (laughs) like, just even, I mean, I'm always, like, following you on Instagram and watching your stories and stuff, but I, just, like, before we hopped on today, I just went on your Instagram account and was like scrolling through just like your feed and all of your most recent posts and stuff. And I'm like, this girl is just doing it all. Like you're just (laughs) like, there's so many recipes, but then you're also talking about cycle health and period stuff. And you know, you're all about helping the moms with their teens. And it's just so incredible. And I love what you do.
1: Thank you. I know sometimes I go back and forth. I'm like, do I need to niche down a little bit more? Because I started just being like, I'm gonna only be talking to moms about daughters and puberty. But my problem is I always just have so many things that I get interested in. And it's hard not to just want to share all of that. So it's all loosely related to health and the female body. I
0: totally <laughs> get it. I completely understand what you're saying. And this is kind of off topic, but not really. And my longtime listeners will totally understand why I'm asking you this. But have you ever looked into your human design before?
1: I have. That was one of the COVID quarantine, you know, just like internet yes. rabbit holes that fell down. So, but I don't know that much about it. It was one of those things where I could see oh, that seemed really interesting and I would need to go kind of far down that path to really understand it and make sense of it. And then I think I probably got derailed by some other project. So I, I know I'm a manifesting generator and that's about all I remember. But that's what problem. I needed to know. But
0: Okay. <laughs> because... So the reason I ask, because you brought up, you know, like you have these thoughts, okay, should I like niche down a little bit more? Should I just be kind of focusing on like talking about this one thing, but you're feeling so inspired and like, you want to be talking about these things, right? So anyways, um, you're actually not supposed to like your energy type, like you're not supposed to niche down so hard that it hurts. So I think you're doing it right. I'm like, I'm a manifester. So I also, am not supposed to just like speak to one specific person. And I think just like human design just has given me so many permission slips that you know, felt so right to me. So anyways, even though that was a little off topic, I just want to let you know that I think, you know, all of your content is amazing. I love the recipes. I love like the period tips and everything that you're doing to support moms support their daughters through puberty. It's just incredible. And I'm so excited for you to share that with everyone today.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's fun to hear all the different, you know, layers of analysis of yeah. What I should be doing in the world. So
0: I think you're doing amazing. So for our listeners who might just be meeting you for the first time today and hearing about you, do you want to give a little bit of like an intro to yourself and just let everyone know who you are and what you're all about?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So my name is Megan, and on Instagram, I'm over at Body Talk Basics, which is the business I created last year, really surrounding this online course for moms and daughters, all about puberty and body development, and also really just about bonding. Um, You know, there's a lot of good information that you can find out there about the female body and, you know, developing bodies and all that kind of stuff. but I saw this opening for a resource that brought together that information, but in the context of a relationship. And I think one of the most important relationships that girls have when they're growing up, which is their relationship with their mom. And I also know that there are lots of situations out there and not everyone, you know, has their mom around or that kind of thing, or they're being raised by a single dad or something. But, and so I I went around back And forth, like, should I do this just for anybody with a parent or with a mentor, or just for them to you know take this course by themselves? But I am hoping that other people step up and come up with lots of different resources for different dynamics. But I just came back to I really want to give moms a very clear role in this discussion if they are really just needing support with the information. So I Yeah, educate both mom and daughter in an online course that is self-paced. And so I have moms start it with eight-year-old daughters and just do the first few parts. I have moms start it with their 13 or 14-year-old daughter um, and you know, do the whole thing all at once. It can really be kind of customized, but it's really about putting the power back in the hands of the mom to feel like she is creating this experience for her daughter that is both bonding um, but also empowering and educational for both of them. And so, yeah, that's kind of my main, my main thing, but my Instagram has kind of turned into this own, its own special community of women of all ages or many ages. I want to clarify my mom brought up a good point. Um, my Instagram is not for 11 and 12 year old girls. It's, it's really for adult women, I should say, and moms and thinking about how to support younger girls is some of the discussion that we have, but it's also just about our own bodies and things that we learned, you know, way too late in our lives, <laughs> what was normal. Um, more so meaning a lot of things are very common uh that we experience but we think we're on our own, um, and kind of isolated and shame about certain body experiences. And so my page is really about kind of community discussions around funny topics serious topics that generally have to do with the body and our experience yeah as embodied women so
0: yeah so you have like obviously we'll talk about the course and I will just say um I have read through so many of the testimonials on your website about the course and I was getting so emotional reading them (laughs) like they are (laughs) phenomenal and I don't know it just it really goes to show you how needed and necessary this course is and I love that it's like this experience for the mom and the daughter to do together rather than you know The mom purchasing it and just being like okay honey you know do this on your own or the mom doing it herself and trying to like relay the information to the daughter right I love that it's this experience that they go on together and I even saw like one of the moms it sounded like her and her daughter were doing it together every Monday evening and they like (laughs) made like this ritual out of it with all the snacks and I'm like that is so incredible and to think back because like I I love the topic of going through pure puberty. Um, I think not enough of us, I would go to say even like the majority of us didn't receive the support and the education that we needed during that time or even in the way that we needed it, right? And anyways, I just think your course is really doing that. And I'm even getting like chills just thinking about it because I really do, like I work with so many women who a lot of like their troubles and their struggles that we're working through now as adults, a lot of our conversations and healing goes back to the point in time in their life when they were going through puberty, right? Mm -hmm. Feeling like completely alone, out of control with all of these changes in one of my, actually it was just last week. I did an entire podcast episode all about, like, my experience with studying somatic experiencing therapy and, like, becoming certified and stuff, and when I was talking about all of that, I gave, like, the definition of trauma and A lot of people don't actually understand like the true definition of like what trauma is and it's anything that happens too fast or too soon and we don't have like the support that we needed during that time. And so anyways, I think that, you know, just knowing that, like having that understanding of trauma and knowing that like i think a lot of us do go like it's a it's ex- it's an experience that we go through that does feel really quick and we don't have we don't always have that support that we need to while going through that so i just think your course just is so so needed and is helping so many women and daughters out there
1: yeah yeah, I hope so. It's it's really an honor. Like every time I get a testimonial, it is just so uh overwhelming. I just feel so overwhelmed with with gratitude of, of playing a role in both mom and daughter's life, you know. And it's really I kind of feel like I play a big sister role, or at least that's kind of what I hope for, you I know, where that. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a mom yet myself, so I'm not speaking from that place. Um, but I have you know, gone through puberty and I've, you know, learned about the female body. And so I kind of play that, uh, yeah, that nice middle ground, uh, place I hope for both girls and moms where, yeah, I mean, even just working with middle schoolers, I think parents play such an important role. And I think depending on the dynamic, you know, parents have different, uh, amounts of room to kind of speak into their kids' lives and be heard. You know what I mean? And I just think there is something really powerful about kind of having a third person. Um, And my mom always said this, which I really liked where she always, you know, prayed that I would have women in my life who were, you know, who would take an interest in me and kind of play a mentor role because she recognized that, you know, she would do her best as a mom, but that often in many, you know, especially preteens and teens' lives, as a parent, you kind of reach this point where they're interested in what their peers think and kind of other people outside of the family. And there is kind of a part, um, a role that brain development plays in that as well, where um, kind of non-family individuals start playing a more important role in your life and what you're mirroring things off of. But anyway, so that's kind of my, my hope too, is it frees moms up a little bit to just talk and share their own stories and that kind of thing, but it takes a little bit of the kind of teaching dynamic out of it, which I think sometimes it's just easier to hear from another person. From someone else. You know what else. I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah totally. Like, I, I remember my mom is telling me so many times growing up, you know, she could say something to me and then someone else could say it word for word and I would listen to the other person, right? right? Yeah. And like it was just like a common conversation in our house, like, Meg, I just told you that last week, right? But it's like yeah. of course I didn't listen to her. But if my aunt or my cousin or, you know, even one of her friends said the yeah. same thing, then I'm gonna listen to them. And so yeah, I do think that Is so cool that you know you are probably looked at as like kind of like the older sister or a big sis in this situation, and that teens or just daughters, because like you said, moms are actually taking you know their even like preteen daughters through this course. So basically, when it comes to this course. Let's talk about like who's going through it. I know you kind of mentioned that already, but, you know, is there a specific start time for this course that would be really helpful?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of the hardest like frequently asked questions. I had to think through how I wanted to answer because again, just in working with middle schoolers, the developmental and maturity levels (laughs) levels <laughs> it probably most people but especially in that time period of adolescence is just so vast you know you have if you take two 10 year olds they might be just so different and you know maybe one has started their period and the other is four years away from starting and she, one's still playing with dolls and another is you know has had two boyfriends or whatever but it's really um hard to say oh this is when you should start you know is at nine or at ten but I think, uh, so the first module is all about just what is puberty, um, called the puberty play. Cause I kind of use the, um, analogy of, of a play and like how there's all these moving pieces that come together to kind of create this new production. And then the second module is all about introducing your body. And it's just kind of a time to celebrate the female body and talk through the different parts of your reproductive anatomy. And I love a little fun trivia in there and word meanings and stuff. Um, and so that kind of thing, you know, I know some moms who have started it with their eight-year-olds and just then stop there because they just want to kind of introduce the idea of puberty, um, even if their daughter isn't showing signs of very much body development yet. Um, and I w- so I would say that I think to watch the entire class with an eight or maybe even nine-year-old would probably be too much because I go pretty into depth about the menstrual cycle. Um, and not that that is inappropriate, but more so just that it's a lot of information. And I think especially if you're starting it with a younger girl, it's better to just do little bite-sized pieces and then kind of see, okay, starting to see some breast development. Let's watch the, you know, your new breast friends <laughs> module and we'll go through that. So you can kind of more time it to what their body is saying, like, hey, I'm ready for. Um, so it seems most common that, people get it who have kind of daughters who are 10 or 11. But again, I think I've heard from, yeah, people whose daughters are 13. And honestly, I would take the course with my 14 or maybe even 15 year old daughter. Like it really, I think could fill in a lot of gaps that they might've had, especially if they have just gone through school and just gotten kind of generic health education, <laughs> whatever they're teaching in that. Um, and I try to be, you know, age appropriate in how I'm talking, obviously, but I also, I really don't kind of baby this stuff either. I'm more, it's very like friendly and open. And so I don't think a 14 or 15 year old would feel like I'm talking down to them or something. Um, anyway, so hopefully that clarifies. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no. And that totally makes sense too, because you're also speaking to moms right and from what I know about this course like you're including the moms in like the modules you know and even asking them questions like kind of having discussion between the mom and daughter right and it sounds like so many moms so like adult women right who are far past like 15 years old Mm -hmm. they're walking away from your course learning about their bodies and things that you know they had never even Mm -hmm. knew before
1: yeah I love those testimonials (laughs) yeah so
0: (laughs) what do you think because I really do think that you know whether for so many women who have already gone through puberty, obviously even have like their children of their own, they're still, you know, whether it's from your course or just going into kind of more of a hormonal education world, so many women are learning new things about their bodies because we just weren't taught what we needed to be taught in the past. And I'm curious, like, what maybe are, what do you find to be like the most common or maybe biggest takeaways from women who have gone through your course with their daughters? Anything mm. that stands out that, you know, maybe is like coming up that moms
1: are like, oh, wow, this was like really great for me. I haven't gotten too many that have gotten really specific about what what exactly they were taking away. More so it's just like, yeah, that I learned things about my body that I had never Known before. Um, I mean, I do think I hear people kind of talking more about even just naming estrogen and progesterone and kind of characterizing them and talking about the different role that they play in the female body and in the cycle in general, um, with kind of their when they peak and and fall. Um, I think that's something that was certainly new for me. I, I think I had heard those words, you know, maybe. By yeah, the we're time all familiar today. with
0: like the hormones, yeah. but what are they actually doing? What are the yes. symptoms when, you know, one mm-hmm. is low and the other one is high or exactly. whatever? So yeah, I would assume that would be a huge takeaway. So you did mention a couple of the first modules, right? So it's like mm-hmm. setting up the play, learning about the body parts. And then if you'd like, we can, you know, continue to go through the course just so everyone knows what you actually teach in this course because it's really not just about like okay this is what happens during your period it's so
1: much more it's very (laughs) comprehensive that's true I couldn't just stop with that so um yes after the the introducing your body module then um we have a module all about breasts and breast development and um I get to throw in fun little facts like you know breast size doesn't determine how much milk you produce, you know, for breastfeeding, um, which are little facts that, you know, even that definitely played a role in even like my grandmother's life I was told, Oh, you, you know, your breasts are too small. You won't be able to breastfeed. And so little things that I even just took from hearing my own family history or like my own um, experience of what was impactful for me to learn and getting to weave that into the class is really fun. Um, And then after, and so we talk about, you know, bras and how to na- how to navigate that as well. And you know, even avoiding bras that are too tight and constricting and why we wouldn't want to do that from a health perspective. Um, then we go into body hair, body odors, how body odors be, um kind of created, what goes into that and what you can do about it. Um, we talk about body hair and I talk about how to safely remove body hair if you want to do that. And I also Try to explain that you, know, you also don't have to. Yeah, um, I
0: you know. Passionate like <laughs> about Yeah, like, and I'm gonna pause you here because. I know you love that topic about body hair and we actually have never talked about that on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, let's even get into that a little bit because (laughs) yeah, I mean, as women, I think we're all, not all of us, but we grow up, most of us being under the impression that we have to remove body hair. So Mm -hmm. do you want to kind of share maybe your views on that and just kind of insights that you like to share with people.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, well, body hair is such an interesting topic. And so I was a history major in college and taught history and all that kind of stuff. So I love that angle as well. Um because there's a lot of claims that are thrown around that are kind of partially true about body hair removal. Um, because body hair removal is something that people have been doing for thousands and thousands of years so it is not new it's not only the creation of modern advertising that invented the removal of body hair but um there are some interesting differences i find in historical body hair removal and kind of how we think of it now interestingly in a lot of examples historically it was body hair removal for upper classes it was a way that you showed your kind of elite status in a number of cases like in egypt it was all body hair so like you no know, eyebrows you know all that kind of stuff because there was a religious kind of uh, significant or significance or stigma around body hair especially in relation to religious duties so like priests would have had no body hair at all um and again, like it was like men and women were engaging in this act of body hair removal. And so what does seem to be um, more new, although there's some examples, you know, obviously you can find examples for a lot of things, but what I find to be more new is this idea that, you know, body hair removal would be exclusively a female activity. And obviously we have things like, you know, men shaving their face or something like that. But that to me still gets fit in this, um, more kind of category of personal style, you know, and sure there might be some things like, oh, at a job you're, you know, if you have really, know, <laughs> wild, a really wild beard or something, they might say, oh, to be professional, you need to keep it trimmed or something. But that's just so different than being like, oh, you're disgusting. If you don't have, you know, if you don't shave your beard or whatever it is. So I just find that the way that body hair removal is talked about for, for men and women to be really fascinating. And so in the West, at least, body hair removal for women was something that was new. You have some examples of women doing things like plucking their um, hairline. Like in Elizabethan England, it was really popular to have a really large forehead. And so there are always been you know, things like that. And some women would remove the hair on their arms that would show to their dresses. But you have this thing that starts in the kind of you know, the 1800s going to the 1900s, where clothing styles for women started getting a lot, um, I can't think of the word, (laughs) showing a lot more of women's bodies. And so then that kind of tied in with a historical invention of the safety razor, which um, King Gillette, his first name was King, (laughs) uh, kind of is known for patenting this, new safety razor, which made it a lot more easy and safe for men to shave their faces. But then they kind of realized, oh, we have this huge market of women that we could also market this to. And so they called it smoothing because shaving was for men. So women were, you know, implored to smooth their, the surfaces of their body, anything that would be exposed. And so dresses continued to rise. And so um, then it became all about, you know, you have to shave your legs. First, though, it was armpits because you started getting dresses that, Um, have no sleeves anymore. And so then you just get this barrage of advertisements in women's magazines that are just full of them. (laughs) It's so sad to me. It's really, I mean, they'll use language like, you know, would you be caught with, you know, unsightly masculine armpit hair? You know, basically it's just, it's really on the nose about how disgusting you are as a woman, if you show any body hair. And so very, very, very quickly women in the West start removing their first armpit hair and then leg hair. And it's fascinating how quickly this ritual becomes just part of hygiene and part of grooming. Um, and I hate the hygiene element (laughs) personally, because again, it's like, we think that if men shower regularly and wear deodorant, that they're hygienic, but yet for a woman, you're you know, a disgusting creature if you have hair there. Anyway, and so my I had always kind of I always hated shaving, got all these ingrown hairs, and it just was so taxing to be like, oh, we should go to the beach. And then feel like I had to spend so long, you know, making sure I was grooming every hair and felt so self-conscious about things and then it'd be painful and all of that. And men could just, you know, throw on certain trunks and run out the door. Um, but I just was kind of like, well, it's, you know, it's a choice for women and and I totally support women doing whatever they want to do. But when it came down to it, I couldn't really let myself be out in public with any body hair showing. Um, and so when actually through making this course and realizing like, wow, it's at puberty, really that girls are developing, you know, either body hair in places like the pubic area or the armpits for the first time, And often leg hair growing in darker and thicker, that they're really getting this new onslaught of messaging about like, you better get rid of that. And how weird it is that this hair that grows in as part of their sexual maturity, as part of their womanhood, gets seen as masculine and inappropriate. And so that to me started taking on this new level of kind of, and women get really, um, this is kind of, this is a kind of controversial thing to say, but I, yeah, I think that especially in the pubic area, this like cultural ideal of, um, nakedness, essentially like removing all pubic hair is, I find to be very disturbing as a cultural ritual because who in reality doesn't have any pubic hair. It is girls. You know, it is not women. And so, this idea that we would kind of conflate being very sexy with basically a pre pubescent girl's body, I find to be really uncomfortable with. And it's like this very different, I think, than just like trimming or, you know, doing whatever. And obviously, I know people like, well, I have sensory issues or I have these other reasons that I want to do it. And I, you know, (laughs) whatever. People have to make their own decisions. But I think what it comes down to for me is that. I noticed in myself and I see in a lot of women that we think we have a choice in, we're like, oh, I'm just, you know, shaving my armpits because it's my choice and I like how it looks. And what I want to do is just kind of challenge that and say, well, if it was really a choice, then try not making it. And like, is there actually an equal, is it actually an equal choice where you can be totally accepted and loved for who you are if you don't conform to this? Because otherwise what you're doing is you're not choosing, you're just conforming, you know. And so I want to bring back that element of choice, of true choice. And so for me, I was like, shoot, <laughs> like, I'll actually do this. And so in the past year and a half, I've been growing up my body hair and going to the beach with very hairy legs and armpits. And it is really hard. It's been like shocking how much of a mental game it is to look down at my legs in a dress and be like, I look like a man. But then having to override that and go, no, this is what a woman looks like. And someone had messaged me a while back and said it so perfectly. They said the female body should determine what is feminine. And I think that is such a good way to say it because sure, men have more body hair on average and grow body hair in places that women don't normally grow body hair. And I think preserving that is, can be a good thing because there are also signs of hormonal imbalance when you are growing hair in a masculine pattern. You know what I mean? Like if a woman starts growing a beard, we should look at what is happening. And that's important to recognize those differences in hair pattern growth um, or hair growth patterns. But, you know, you look at those little anatomical drawings for body hair and like where it shows up and it's, on the legs and dark on the shins and like you know all that kind of stuff that I wish we had more room in society for and so I realized if I'm gonna tell girls it's your choice I need to really live that out and try to make the other choice and be totally fine in my body and just love how my body looks how it naturally is so anyway that was long, like you probably knew it would be once he got me started talking about it. But I just find it such an interesting topic that unlocks so many little pieces of who we think we are as women and who our culture says we should be and really what we're teaching our young girls. And I am excited now to think about being a mom who, you know, gets to show her daughter like what an adult female body looks like. Um, And this is not to like shame anyone who has shaved their legs, their entire daughter's existence or anything like that. But I'm now finding a new kind of joy and life in thinking about being unashamed about my female body in the presence of my future daughters and sons too, you know.
0: Oh my gosh, Megan, I'm so happy I asked this and I'm very grateful that, you know, you gave us kind of like the longer answer rather than just like a summary of how you feel about this because you're so right. Like there are so many different like pockets and areas that we could dive into. Like it just opened up so much for me and I'm like sitting here with my mouth open, like I'm just (laughs) nodding the whole time, but Yeah, isn't that so interesting how something that happens when we're going through puberty and, you know, entering like being a woman is seen as not only masculine, but disgusting and gross and something that we should really feel like a lot of shame around right like I I remember I have this very vivid memory of sitting in like phys ed or like gym class as an elementary student and someone like pointing at my leg hair and I was so embarrassed because like at that point I was like I had no idea like that it was a bad thing right (laughs) but it was a girl who had pointed it was a girl wasn't even a guy but a girl with an older sister had pointed at my leg hair and I am an only child and so you know like what do I know Uh and it was such you know for me to even like be sitting here right now and be able to recall that memory but that just like I, I am sure that, or I'd be curious, like if you have maybe like a similar memory where when you perhaps like learned for yourself that, oh, maybe this isn't okay
1: when it actually is, you know? Right, I'm trying to remember. And this is where sometimes I feel like my memory is not as good as I would like. I just have these little flip. Um, Sometimes I have stories that come to mind. I can't exactly put my finger on Um, like leg or armpit hair, I do remember a lot of things were learned for me by seeing how, like observing the comments that other kids made to other kids, you know, where you were like, Oh, like, that's not a cool style or, Oh, that's we shouldn't be playing with dolls anymore because that kid just bullied that girl for having a doll and bringing it to show and tell or something. So I don't remember necessarily any comments directed at me Maybe I'll think of one after. No, it's okay. But I, I just, I do remember, asked. yeah. Yeah. I do remember toe hair and being at an eighth grade pool party. And, you know, here I'm with my shaved legs. I think, like, I've checked off all the boxes for <laughs> female grooming. And then this, this kid, it was a boy, um, being like, you have hair on your toes, you know, like on my big toe for a little hair growing. And it was like you're saying, where it was, it was like the veil had been lifted and I had, like, never been able to even see that hair before. And then suddenly, there it was. And it was that feeling of one, how had I missed that? And two, since when do I need to, to get rid of that? Like, who, Or did I yeah, miss that that was the problem? Um, and did everyone else know that were they also shaving their toes and not just their legs and all of that? So that's kind of one that makes me laugh. Um, but is again, that image of, oh, whoops. <laughs> I, yeah, I've and then up. you also
0: wonder like, who, so this was a boy. So who, like, where did this boy, like, where did that come from that he like either felt or someone told him like that, that was the thing to do was shave Mm -hmm. your toe hair. It's just so interesting to me. And something else that I really appreciate that you shared. So I love how you're like, you know what, if I am going to be talking about this in my course, like I'm no longer shaving my pubic area, my legs, my armpits, all the things that you once were shaving. And I love that about you because I'm all about, you know, doing what like we talk about. I'm all about that. But I also really appreciate that you were like, I've gone to the beach like this And you're not sitting here today being like, yeah, it was super easy. Like I just went there (laughs) and I was like super hairy and I felt so confident. Like you said, it's hard. Like it's Mm -hmm. such a mental thing. And yeah, I'm just sitting here right now thinking like, like basically all winter, I just let my legs just go because why not, you know, but to me, you know, I'm even thinking like we... Potentially have a trip this spring to Barbados and you know I'm like thinking could I actually just show up like super hairy and my hair is so dark and <laughs> there's a lot of it you know mm-hmm. and it's just yeah that would be a very big mental thing to get through so I'm curious you know If we're inspiring women who are listening to this show that are like, hey, yeah, I wanna like make my own choices and I don't really wanna like conform. Is there anything that has been really helpful for you while, you know, not shaving and just feeling okay with not shaving?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like if I was like giving advice and someone was like, I'm really scared to do this, I would say start small. You know, if they said that I'm scared, but I really want to do it, then I would say, you know, start small. One change that I made that I am just obsessed with is I got this swimsuit from you Swim is the brand and they make one that has swim shorts that are really cute with like a swim, just a regular kind of swim top. And the shorts actually like cover, you know, they're not like tiny, tiny shorts and they go down just a little bit, but they're not um mid thigh or anything so you still feel like it's kind of a you know conventional bathing suit but you don't it then you don't have to shave your pubic area but you're also not walking because I've seen some women where they're like and now I wear you know this like really tiny bikini and they just let their pubic hair show I will probably never do that for a number of reasons um I'm also fine with parts of my body only being for myself and my husband right like I probably um, wouldn't
0: even wear like super super you know like I think a lot of women are wearing like the thong bathing suits uh, right now and I mean even if I was like waxed (laughs) like (laughs) everything was like super smooth and you know all the things I don't think I would wear that. And like, if anyone is listening to this right now and they do wear those bathing suits, by all means, like go for it. But it's just not me. So totally. yeah, like I wouldn't wear it either case, whether I'm yes, hearing it or not.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Totally. So I love the swim shorts because that right away just got, a, got rid of this need for removing that um, body, which I find to be just like the most sensitive and the most riddled with probably, you know, freezer burn and all that kind of stuff. And um so that is a great thing to start and you know maybe you still shave your legs and your armpits, but you start moving your swimwear or some of your, you know, undergarments or something into ones that you put on and just feel super confident in without having to remove any body hair first. And then honestly, what you can do like so I've actually done this for my armpits now. So for a year they were like fully. Grown out, and at this point, I have them trimmed. It's like an inch long, so it's like not like at least a half an inch. So it's definitely still like arm hair is fully visible. But I realized, oh, I kind of like when it's just like a tiny bit shorter. And I almost like this idea of like I'm kind of grooming, but I'm just grooming what should be there anyway. Kind of idea. Like I'm not like oh, the presence of this gets rid of my you know femininity or something. So I've just like trimmed my arm hair like a little bit shorter. Um, and then I actually did it with my legs just somewhat recently, because I was curious what it would look like to still have, because I have like quite a bit. I feel like I have as much leg hair as my husband does. And my sisters have like, no leg hair at all, or just like a little bit. Um, and then mine is just like full-on thick leg hair. And so, and it's pretty long. So I also, you know, trimmed it just a tiny bit shorter, but it's still very visible. Um, but experimenting with little things like that, where like now that I have experienced it at its terminal length are there kind of ways that I like to cut it or groom it or whatever that are very fast. and also about that. Like I, you know, not wasting more of my life on, you know, that practice once you do the math of however many minutes, you know, a week that you spend on doing that kind of thing. It's a little bit shocking. i like, Oh, there's so many other things I could do. Um, but just these quick little ways where, yeah, maybe you just start with armpits and you keep it pretty short, but you just start looking in the mirror and you see that's what my armpit hair looks like, or that's what my armpits look like with hair in it. Um, And this is the last little tip that was actually interesting for me is I spent some time looking in the mirror with no bra on so that I could see my armpit hair and my breasts. And something about seeing the combination of the two and just telling myself like, I am a woman. This is what a woman, an adult woman looks like was really helpful to where now I feel like my armpit hair feels kind of sexy like it feels like this like i don't know like yeah this adult thing to have and so again just that combination of like breasts and armpit hair for whatever reason that helps kind of override some of the this is a masculine thing to have so
0: i love this conversation so much oh my god
1: it's getting me
0: like so fired up because the more I hear you talk about this and just think about my own personal experiences it's it's honestly so heartbreaking how so many women think that this is like a disgusting thing about themselves if they Mm -hmm. do have hair you know like even talking about like the bikini stuff you know and just how many times I have been in a swimsuit of whatever kind and if I have any type of like pubic hair kind of like growing around mm-hmm. you know my upper legs it's like oh my gosh I can't believe I missed that yes, you know exactly. and it's like why like that is so it's honestly heartbreaking even thinking about that mm-hmm. because it's not it's not yeah. gross yes so exactly even though, and like, maybe you don't want to talk about this, but I know this will probably be, and like, you can tell me if you don't want to answer this, but this might be something on some of our listeners' mind. And like, it's not like you're single, you're married. Mm-hmm. And I'm just <laughs> curious, like, you know, to like, even though it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, like, does your husband have any, like comments thoughts Mm. anything Uh, like that
1: um yeah no that's a great because I think that is the reality like we are in relationship you know with each other my husband and I and so yeah it's it's a huge conversation that we've had a number of times um I kind of told him I said like this is something that is really important to me that I'm going to be trying out and he's used to me doing things like that. So he's like, okay, you know, He like it was one of those things where in the winter too, like I would not shave my legs for the most part. And I would maybe just shave my ankles, you know, if I was wearing, you know, crop pants or something. So he was definitely used to like hair and, you know, things like that. And I've never been one to, you know, get Brazilian waxes or anything. So it wasn't like it was from nothing till to everything. Um, So there was that, but also I think at first I really brought him into my mental process of anxiety around certain situations, you know, going to church and being like, oh, I really want to wear this dress, but this looks so masculine. I'm like afraid of what people are going to say. And I'm like, what do you think? Uh, And I brought him into that stress. And so he was kind of at a point where he was like. If this is something you've decided to do, I totally support you. But like, you just need to decide to do it. Kind of thing. Like, I don't, you know, it's not helpful for me. He's like, it's not my favorite look ever. I also don't hate it, you know. And I want you to do what you feel comfortable with. And so, anyway, that was something where I realized, like, okay, I just need to develop the mental fortitude of whatever. And so, honestly, like, there are still times where I will choose to wear a long dress and not one that shows my legs. And I'm fine with that at this point. I could really, you know, berate myself. Like, well, you should just be able to wear shorts to whatever, you know, and I'm fine in my process of realizing like, I'm not gonna share that with everyone in the whole world yet. Or certain things are like, oh, someone's grandparents are like, I don't know if I wanna have that conversation <laughs> or something. Um, so there's that too. But um, anyway, he did tell me like a few months ago, he's like, your armpit hair is sexy. <laughs> that felt really good. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> i <I'm like>, yes. <laughs> So anyway, it is possible for. Yes, it <laughs> is
0: possible. I was actually just going to say that and then you said it. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that. And I, I honestly think um, and thank you for sharing that and just being yeah. like open to sharing that. But yeah, I, I figured just because even like I work with a lot of women who You know are on a health journey of restoring their hormones getting their periods back and a huge concern of theirs is like well what is my partner gonna think about Mm -hmm. me gaining all this weight if they if that process does require them to gain weight right and you know and I had to go through that myself and I wasn't single at the time I was with my like now fiance and you know, I I remind a lot of them that you know I I gained a significant amount of weight to get my period back, and you know I felt every single one of those pounds come on my body for sure, and it was like significant for me. But Scott actually told me like he didn't even notice, and I'm like, how could you not like how how could you not notice this, you know? And and so I think we like tend to make things bigger than. You know, they actually are, but also it's like, I love how you shared with your husband, like the mental stress that it was like bringing on to you and how like I love the like the honesty too he was like it's not my favorite look but like you know like you just need to make this decision on right. your own
1: yeah <laughs> great the stress was less <laughs> attractive to him than the, than the hair was I'm just like yeah if, if I'm confident with it if I'm not making it this like insecurity that now he needs to fill because that was one thing too where it would have been inauthentic for him especially at the beginning to be like yeah I find your." All this leg hair like super hot, you know, like that wouldn't <laughs> he could not have authentically said that. And one of my favorite things about my husband is that he cannot BS anything. Like he's very honest and has a lot of integrity in that way. And so he can't like fake compliments, you know. So when you get one, it is like really what he thinks. Um, and so I also needed to not need that from him in this particular journey of needing him to be affirming in that way. I just needed to be clear with him of This is something that I'm trying and I'm trying to be, to see myself with confidence. And so, yeah, I think it's also a great thing. And similar with like the, the weight journey too, of articulating the positives too. Like, what are you finding that is um, bringing you joy into a place of health that you haven't experienced that maybe they don't realize or see the connection between, because maybe they have never thought of certain experiences, but being like, oh, now I have my period back or now. I don't get these headaches, these blood sugar crashes and these hormonal headaches, or I'm warm and I'm not freezing all the time or I and I able enjoy, to enjoy like, like food with
0: you and not be restricting yeah. all the time. Right. That's yeah. huge.
1: Yeah, exactly. So for them to see like that, this is all part of the same package that like, no, I don't have as much anxiety in this certain area that I'm coming to love who I am or whatever. Um, I think can also be a good conversation, but it's interesting how many women have told me that it was their husband or their boyfriend or something who said, you know, like, you don't have to shape. I actually like how you look with hair. That kind of thing, which I find to be really interesting. And I always like to highlight that because that is also possible. Sometimes they, you know, we think, my partner is thinking this because we just assume.
0: Yeah, we assume because like the media is telling us to look a certain way, right? And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just so, I feel like I could just, keep talking to you about this topic because (laughs) it's just so interesting but like something just with like the hair and the body image stuff and you know like body size and stuff it's just like so interesting how basically we are under the impression that like shaving and being hairless is like the super sexy feminine womanly thing right when that is what a child's body looks like and then we're also under the impression to be like the smallest version of ourselves and like you know stop the curves and you know be like real thin and things like that I mean like I don't subscribe to that but like that's what we're being told we need to do right and whereas it's just like all the complete opposite right and it's just it's so crazy to just mm-hmm. sit here and think about what we're being told is sexy and feminine. It's literally like keeping ourselves pre-puberty, mm-hmm. which is so sad.
1: Right. It is. Yeah. And it's interesting. There's like all of these weird conflicting messages where it's like small and like hairless, but also huge boobs or whatever. It's <laughs> like, just like, butt. like yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Like, wait, what am I supposed to be like, you know? Um. And so, yeah, I that's where I think history is such um, an amazing ally for us in these conversations, because once you think that things are innate that aren't, and that's what is like, once we can at least just label that it is not inherently gross or unfeminine for a woman to have body hair. You can feel that in your body, that that's just so core that oh I'm just responding out of what just the natural order of things with that repulsion to your body here but once you realize oh this there's all of this history there are people who very intentionally have money invested in you spending tons of money on shaving cream razors razor heads time that you're not doing other things you know like there there is a
0: someone is benefiting from
1: you shaving or waxing or whatever it is Exactly. And the same goes for any insecurity. You have to first, like the first rule in a lot of business and advertising is you have to first make someone aware of an insecurity. And a lot of times you are teaching them the insecurity, you know, by saying, you know, no more awful frizzy hair, try our new smooth and you're, Oh, frizz equals bad. Like that. You've now learned that that is the bad thing because they have told you that's an insecurity and then are selling you the solution to it. And so I think once we just become aware that wow, it's so powerful. The emotions I can feel in my body to these different um, beauty trends that I subscribe to or not. And that's just a societal level. Like that doesn't live in the, you know, like uh, innate sense of how things are. I'm feeling my wording is getting all jumbled, but that's where I think too, with history, we start looking okay, well, what were they doing? You know, in Japan, in certain periods, it was, the style to have your teeth painted black. That was seen as very beautiful. So, like, once you start realizing these different beauty trends, you kind of start looking at your own beauty trends that you're subscribing to. And being like, oh, wait, maybe they don't actually have as much weight as I thought they did. And just even getting out of that mindset of like, well, that's just how things are. Women shouldn't have body hair. You know, they have less than men, so they shouldn't have any. Like, that's how we show that we're different. You know, it's like, no, I don't think that's necessarily true. I do want to make the note though. There are like certain religions where body hair removal, like currently, so like in Islam, from my understanding, men and women remove pubic care, for example. And that to me is like a totally different discussion. Totally different. Um, so yeah. it's like, if there is like <laughs> a religious practice that has these different significances and whatever, whatever, um, I'm that's different. I'm talking about like what advertisers are telling you, and what we are saying is hygienic that is not, you know, or the, what we're saying is unhygienic that's not unhygienic or um, beautiful that, you know, doesn't have to be the only definition of beauty and, and things like that. So I always like to make that mention, that like what I'm talking about is just the societal, this is what a beautiful, sexy woman is. That's where I feel like we have a lot of room to to push back and expand what being a beautiful, sexy woman you know it can be so So
0: much room like even just a visual I'm getting in my head right now is like a guy and a woman like lifting up their arms and you know like what would your mind do if both had just this like a lot of underarm hair you know you wouldn't think a thing about the guy but what would you think if like a female had Very, very like hairy armpits, you know, and they're side by side. Like, how does it make a difference? It's just, I am fascinated by this topic and I'm so happy we got into it. But I do want to go back to your course because we were going through the modules and I know we're approaching the end of the episode two and I don't want to take up like super lots of your time but I want to make sure we get through the course so everyone knows like all of the goodness available for them and I know I paused you at the hair and we really got into the (laughs) hair which I'm so happy about though because we've never talked
1: about that on the show before awesome Yay! that was great um so yeah after after the body odor and hair uh, module then we get into the menstrual cycle and that's the by far the biggest, longest section of the course. And it's broken up into a lot of smaller pieces. So even within that, you could start with just the first module, kind of that, or sorry, just the first little mini section of the the period module that goes over like what the menstrual cycle is as a whole. Um, And I call it period piece is the module, but really it's, I talk about how the period is only one tiny portion of the menstrual cycle. And I talk through each phase of the menstrual cycle. I have a little like turn and teach opportunity where, because I would always do that in my classroom too, where, you know, mom and daughter take turns, like going over each of the four phases again. So that there's some kind of, you know, things getting locked in your your memory. Um, and then we go through the kind of frequently asked questions of menstrual cycle health. So, you know, can you swim while on your period? Uh, what period products are out there? Um, which ones should you avoid? Um, I go over the basics of estrogen, progesterone, what they might feel like in your body, um, while also, you know, always being like, everyone's a little different, you can experience things differently. We talk about uh, kind of the four seasons of the menstrual cycle and uh, how you might, again, potentially feel different in different phases of your cycle, um, and that you're not crazy for you know, not feeling the exact same way every single day. And that's actually a really beautiful thing that we get to experience as women and um, things like that. And so all throughout that module and same with all of the others, I have mom share moments throughout where I have questions that I've tried to be very thoughtful about that uh, give moms a chance to share their own experience about whatever we're covering in that module. Um, So even for example, I won't jump too far back into this, but like with the body hair section, the mom share question is um, what is your relationship to your body hair and how has that changed or not over your life? Because I think that's a powerful question to start thinking about. And if, even if moms, you know, can just start talking about trends with their daughters and making them, making it visible that these are just trends then I think that alone just does so much good, even if both parties, which I even remove all their body hair, just being able to articulate it that it's not just how things are. So, you know, in the period section, it's about recalling their first period, how their parent or guardian responded to it, how that was helpful or not for them. Um, And then we get to, and I also talk about um, like period cramps, how period pain is, you know, common, but not normal, all of that, Um, and some tips for how girls can um, hopefully experience better periods and kind of make that connection to that. You know, we, it, it matters how we're dealing with stress or it matters, you know, what we eat and not in a way where it's like, I'm introducing all of these food rules, but more just like what we put in, put into our bodies has this wonderful opportunity to really fuel us and make us feel really great. And it's not two disconnected things, you know, like, oh, I have period cramps literally doesn't matter what I eat. It's like, oh, wait, no, actually that that can play a role because we have to fuel our menstrual cycle. We have to fuel our hormones. And so where is our body pulling that fuel from? Um, And so then the last section, it's called common sense care and sense is an acronym for um, sleep, exercise, nourishment, skin, and emotions. And so I just kind of briefly talk through like some basic kind of skincare tips. And I'm all about very simple, non-harsh ingredients that you could that you maybe even have in your cupboard you know like raw organic honey if you have that use that as a face cleanser you know all of those things so they don't have to be these products that are introducing a lot of harm actually into your your body and that they can be very simple and fun you know you can make your own toner you can you know use yogurt as a face mask like these can be very simple where you know exactly what's in it um, and then the largest section of that module is the emotion section and i talked through a number of Kind of tools that they can put in their toolkit for how to interact with you know negative self-thoughts or how to um even do little practices like you know legs up the wall or like shaking it out like when you just get in that situation you're like oh that felt so embarrassing or like oh it was so awful or I was so angry you know like do what dogs do just like you know go in a bathroom stall and just like shake it out just like move that emotion out of your body and that we sometimes need that um, as you know these physical and emotional creatures. And I also talk about brain, like how do we kind of relate to our brain? And I talk about this idea of how we kind of have a survival brain and an emotional brain and a boss brain, and that they're all our brain, but that in different situations, we're going to, we have different needs. And so if you're running away from a bear, it's really good to be in your survival brain. And that's all you're thinking about, but we can't always live in our survival brain or that's really stressful for our bodies. And we also can kind of be aware of like, I'm in this total like emotional brain right now. And now not going to be the time where I can sit down with my mom and have a like peaceful conversation about what I need to do with my emotions. Like got to process that stuff and then recognize like, okay, now we can make a plan. But kind of giving space for these different kind of neurological experiences that we can have. And really the whole course is about having grace for yourself and feeling empowered by knowing kind of how the body works and what resources you have to support yourself so
0: amazing so I'm pretty sure (laughs) everyone listening right now can now see and understand why I'm so obsessed with you and the work that you do because you're just amazing. And, you know, I want everyone to go check out your course, purchase it. If they are a mom with a daughter and they want to take that, we'll have that linked up in the show notes. And, you know, At the very least, everyone just needs to go hop on Instagram and follow you because as you said at the beginning of the show, your Instagram kind of took on like this whole other life and... Your stories are just so entertaining and I love like the interaction, you know, in your community. It's so great. Like there's so many fun conversations. Like I think all of the listeners today just need to go check out your stories so they know what we're talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Like right now, I think in your stories, you're talking about kind of like winter, um, like fashion
1: trends mm-hmm. that people really enjoy. Yeah, because we had a conversation before about like being respectful of your body and the clothes that you wear and, you know, wearing pants that are so tight that they are crushing your womb, you know, and digging into your your body, you know, is that the best way to honor our bodies? So anyway, people were like, wait, what about winter? Like summer was easy, you know, it's like linen dresses and, and all of that. But um, anyway, and you so. and I right
0: now are both wearing like very just like <laughs> loose, baggy, kind of like yeah. knit sweaters. And I don't know what you have on your bottoms, but I just have these very loose joggers on. Like I it feels like they're they don't even exist on me. So, yeah, I love everything you share, sweetheart. Thank you so much. And I'll ask you one last question cuz I do try to ask all of my guests this, and that is what does it mean to you to be unbreakable?
1: Yeah, so I think being unbreakable Doesn't mean that you never get broken down, but it's that you don't stay broken and that you rebuild and try again. And I think as women in understanding our cycles better, we get this beautiful picture of that process happening on a literal level every single cycle that we are, our body sends all of this, you know, all of these resources and nutrients and all this energy on building up this endometrium this uterine lining and then if no egg gets fertilized and implanted in it it gets rid of it you know and so it's like and then it starts again and so we see this process of death and rebirth and new life
0: you know whether or not
1: we experience pregnancy we we experience that in our cycling bodies and it's just beautiful picture of what's also happening in nature and so again it's i think just it becomes I think delusional actually to think that we will never break down or that we'll never get broken um, because that's not how anything around us works, you know, (laughs) and if it's good enough for nature to work in that way, to have these cycles of breaking and rest and rebuilding and life and all of that, then it should be good enough for me. And so I think, yeah, as women, we get this especially cool element of that truth being reflected in our bodies and that's also why i'm such a fan of, of learning about ourselves because there's all of these wonderful analogies that can also help just our mental life and our contemplation about the reality of the world and what is good and, and how things work so
0: amazing i love that so much megan thank you for joining me again today and coming on the <laughs> podcast and i know everyone's gonna love this thank you of course thanks always
1: so fun to chat with you Thank you.